0: wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the gospel for today. You heard it uh, read before. I recall just these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus told him, You're right. Do this, and life will be yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, my beloved. You heard me read it before, and we're going to be talking about it this morning the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think that's a parable, probably throughout the United States for most part, it's pretty well known. It's so well known that uh, some of the hospitals in the United States are known as Good Samaritan Hospital. Did you ever hear of the Good Samaritan Law? That means if there's ever a crisis or an accident and you help to provide triage or first aid and something goes wrong, nobody can sue you. In fact, there are some states that say if you see an accident and you don't help, you might do some prison time. The good Samaritan. The parable, to embellish it a little bit, goes something like this. There was a Jewish man who was traveling the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know where that took him? Through the real valley of the shadow of death. It was dark down there. It was cavernous. It was dangerous. And if you were going to walk that place uh, at night, you were taking your life in your own hands. And sure enough, what happened was, as he was traveling, some robbers came, stripped him, beat him up, took everything he had, and left him for dead. Lo and behold, and Jesus tells us in the parable, three people came by. First of all, there was a priest. You know, he was supposed to be one of those good guys because he offered the sacrifices in the temple. He took one look, passed by on the other side. Maybe he said to himself, you know, if that guy's beat up, same thing might happen to me if I hang around here too long. Pretty soon a Levite came along. Levites were also religious people. They were helpers in the temple. Took one look at the man, walked by on the other side. Along comes in Jesus' parable a Samaritan. The Jews looked at the, at the Samaritans as though they were idolatrous half breeds. And so Samaritans were enemies to the Jews, and Jews were enemies to the Samaritans. The Samaritan looks down at this man who should have been his enemy. He washes his wounds, pours on oil and wine for medicinal and healing purposes, takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper's fee, <clears throat> and tells him that when he comes back, if there's any extra expenses, he'll pay for that too. Now, I really have to think that this parable is one of the most understood parables of Jesus. A lot of people think that this parable is sort of a uh, a method by which you gauge how you're doing on your acts of mercy to help other people. It's sort of a, like us here at uh, Beautiful Savior, if we were, were to say, uh, you know, mission quilting people, uh, are, you get, are you making enough quilts this year for the hospitals and the hospices? Or we take a look around and say, uh, for our food pantry, have we been giving enough food to our charitable food pantries or enough money? Or to say, uh, what have we been doing for our mercy ministry to help the members of our congregation in their need? And then if we took a look around and say, oh, we're doing pretty good, then we pat ourselves on the back. If we say, oh, we're not doing so good, well, then we kick ourselves on the backside. Sort of like a gauge as to how you're doing wrong. That's not what the parable is about at all. To truly understand the parable, you have to know to whom Jesus was speaking why he was saying the things that he did, and then you get to understand what the parable is all about. Jesus told this parable about the Good Samaritan in answer to a couple of questions that were posed to him by what's called in the Bible either an expert in the law or a lawyer or an expert in Moses' teachings. Now, what is the law and what are Moses' teachings? The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they were all written by Moses. That was called the law. And the other 34 books of the Old Testament were called the prophets. So the Bible was the law and the prophets. Now, the law, Moses' teachings, had a lot of rules and regulations for God's uh, people. And in fact, I would tell you there's so much in there And it's so detailed that if you want some good reading material to help you get to bed at night, read Leviticus. Let me just uh, quote a few of the, the, the things from Leviticus. When you come into the land and plant all kinds of fruit trees, you must not eat the fruit for the first three years. In the fourth year, all the fruit will be a holy offering to praise the Lord. In the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. Do this to make the trees produce more for you. I am the Lord your God. Never eat any meat with blood still in it. Never cast evil spells and never consult fortune tellers. Never shave the hair on your heads and never cut the edges of your beard. Never slash your body to mourn the dead and never get a tattoo. Oh, that's interesting. I am the Lord. Never dishonor your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the country will turn to prostitution and be filled with people who are perverted. Observe my days of worship and respect my holy tent, the tabernacle. I am the Lord. Don't turn to psychics or mediums to get help. That will make you unclean. I am the Lord. And it goes on and on and on and on. And the guy that was standing before Jesus thought he was an expert. And indeed, he perhaps had memorized most of those laws. I had a seminary professor who memorized the whole New Testament in Greek. So it could be done. He memorized it, but he didn't know what the words meant. And this scripture, guy who thought that he was an expert in moses's teaching came up to jesus it says to test him actually what he wanted to do was see if that he could uh, make a fool out of jesus to see if there were some parts of the bible that he really didn't know so he asked jesus the question he said jesus what must what, what must i do to inherit eternal life jesus came right back with a question he says well what does moses's teaching say And the guy could quote it. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you're right. Now go ahead and do that and you will live. You know what Jesus was doing in such a kind way, he was telling this guy, well, if you already knew the answer, why did you ask me in the first place? But he was also teaching, preaching the law to the man by saying what God's law says is you got to be perfect in love towards God and in love towards your neighbor. And so instead of Jesus being embarrassed, the expert in Moses' teaching was embarrassed, probably with a red face. But he tried to save face, so it says that he tried to justify himself. You know, the word justification is one of the central teachings of all of Holy Scripture. In the right sense, justification means to be declared not guilty. But you know, we also do some self-justification, don't we? We try to justify ourselves on a daily basis. And if you ever say you don't, I'll say, oh, come on now. It goes way back to when we were kids. He hit me first. He did it too and then we grow up. But I really don't do it very often. Everybody does it. I was late, but not too late. See, we try to save face. We don't always say those things outside. Sometimes we say them in the recesses of our mind. The expert in the law tried to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus another question. This time, maybe he could really trip up Jesus. And he says, oh, and Jesus, who is my neighbor? And I know what the expert of the law was anticipating. What he thought that Jesus was going to come back, and maybe he would have forgotten, is that as long as you love and don't hate your fellow Israelites, you're doing pretty good. Because that's exactly how the experts in the law interpreted Leviticus 19 that I read before. They said, well, if you just love your brother, they said, well, that's all the other Israelites. You're just fine. That's why Jesus told the parable. He said, there was a man who went on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was robbed and beaten and left for half-dead. And two supposedly religious Israelites came along and they passed by the other side and didn't help. And then a Samaritan came along who was an enemy and who should have looked at that Jew as his enemy and he stopped to help. And that's when Jesus said, So who was a neighbor to that man? You know, we better be careful that uh, we don't get into the same type of thinking that the expert in the law uh, got into. You know, we could say, um, it's sort of like saying, you know, as long as you always love all other Lutherans, God will be fine with that. When Jesus told this parable, and finally at the end he said, who really was a neighbor to the man who was wounded And he said, the one who showed mercy on him. You know what Jesus was trying to teach? Is that your neighbor is everyone else in the whole world. And when we find out that, then we find out how truly imperfect our love is. You know who your neighbors are? Some of your neighbors are the family members of Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman is your neighbor. Tamerlan Sarnoff is your neighbor, the Boston bomber. You see, when you hear stuff like that, you recognize how impossible and how imperfect our love is and how impossible perfect love is. You know who were some of Jesus' neighbors? Pontius Pilate. Caiaphas. The expert in Moses' teachings. The soldiers. Peter. Paul. And he loved them all perfectly because we couldn't. You see, when it get, you get right down to it, the parable of the Good Samaritan really becomes an opportunity for us to analyze our attitudes because the parable of the Good Samaritan really is a collection of attitudes. To the expert in the law, the wounded man was a nice subject to discuss. To the robbers, the the wounded man was somebody to use and exploit. To the two religious men who passed by, the wounded man was a person to be avoided. To the innkeeper, the wounded man was a customer to serve for a fee. To the Samaritan. The wounded man was a human being worth being cared for and loved. And to Jesus, all of them and all of us were worth dying for. So when everything is really said and done, doesn't that make Jesus really the ultimate good Samaritan? He comes along and sees people half dead in trespasses and sins, binds up their broken hearts, saves lives for people who were born his enemies. And Jesus ended his parable and told that supposed expert in the law, go and imitate his example. And as Jesus spoke those words, he knows that we can't and we won't do it perfectly, but because he was perfect for us. He accepts all of our acts of mercy as imperfect as they are, as valuable as gold and frankincense and myrrh. God the Father gives his Son to be perfect, to fulfill the law of love perfectly, to credit His perfection to our account. And that's how you get eternal life, through faith in the perfect one. For all of which it is my duty to thank and to praise and to serve and obey Him. This is most certainly true. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.